0: Go to Acts chapter uh, 17, and I'm going to read two verses, verse 5 and 7, and if you're looking for a title message, how to be a world changer, I believe this, when God, took, this is not a, just a, a word for, for the moment, it's a word for you as an individual, because you got to realize 17 years ago when we started this church, we just came here in a green van and Pastor Josh, I mean, that's when Pastor Josh was starting to start her kid on his beard. He just could grow a goatee. You remember those days, Lindsay? It was a goatee. Then Zach, who's a pastor, and Jamie, they were in the band. Matt lives in Nashville now, professional drummer. my son. And we just started. And, man, it was just, it was crazy things. And we thought, man, we want to go to Jennings. And we, we know that when I used to stand up when we had a church and we started in the front building way up there. And we, so we know that God has called us not to reach just a city, but God has called us to, to reach a region for him. And now to see the other churches and other campuses to come. And it's just surreal. You know what I'm saying? And so I know that for many of you, you want to be a world changer in your family. How many are praying for people in your family right now? You're believing God for a prodigal, a, child, a son or a daughter, or a husband, or, or, or just a wife, or uncles, or aunts, or relatives, or co-workers. Anybody praying for anybody like that? And you go, man, pastor, I'm just praying for myself. I'm trying to get my head above water. Well, this morning I want to talk to you because I believe it's a word for you and it's a word that God wants you to know who you are and what he thinks about you. So here it is in Acts chapter uh, 17 and it just go ahead and it says, But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason. Now, what? The reason they attacked this guy, he was actually a Christian, and he really loved God, and his family had a reputation of loving God. And what happened in this moment, uh, you'll see, and he says, and they were seeking to bring them out to the people. And then the next slide. Okay, there you go. And when they did not find them, they began, to dra- they began dragging Jason and some brethren our people before the city authority shouting these men who have upset the world and in one version said who've turned the world upside down and he says have come here also for seven and jason has welcomed them and they act they all act contrary to the decrees of caesar saying that there is another king jesus so you know, I want you to understand this. When you're a part of a vision that's bigger than yourself, you're willing to, take, you're willing to do anything and say anything because you believe it. You, and see what happened. These guys that were Christians, what happened is the religious community got mad because all of a sudden the people that knew Jesus, they recognized. This is what they said when they even pulled disciples up. They had recognized them being with Jesus. They were unlearned fishermen. They were people like from Cameron, Delcom, uh, Johnson Bayou that, that just grew up. You know what I mean? I'm serious. My grandfather was a shrimper out of Cameron. And he had, his boat was the kingfish, 60-foot Cypress hull boat. And, and, and you know, so you look at people. And, that, and you imagine them showing up and God goes, you mean I got it? That's my building material? There were the Reeboks. You mean any of the Holly, uh, Holly Beach Reeboks? You know, the white boots? Anybody? Okay, whatever. And so what happened is, here it is, that's building material. But what happens is these ordinary people that aren't religious, quote, unquote, people, all of a sudden, they come to know God, and everything around them is being, like, just turned upside down. And people are, like, going, what is going on here? And see, I believe that. Think about the statement, these men who have upset the world. I mean, you know, the only time you will make a stand for something is when something is bigger than you. It's always easier when you got a bigger brother behind you. You Say what? You go to a fight, say, man, my brother's right there. You know, well, my daddy. And then you remember those times? Well, I'm going to get my daddy. My my mama. My mama can beat your daddy. You know what I mean? I don't know. But what happens is, think about it, the only time when you make a stand, and see, it's when something's bigger than you. And see, the men and women in Acts believed in the vision of Jesus. So they, they were willing to lose their lives for whatever it was. Let me ask you something. Is what you're living for right now worth dying for? Is it? Is what you're living for worth dying for? You see, I believe this. Is it what happened is the kingship of Jesus is unlike that of the rulers of the world when it said that they said and he said there was another king and they called him Jesus in other words what they say in this is they aren't saying that Caesar is Lord anymore they're saying Jesus is Lord and so that's why they wanted them stoned that's why they wanted them killed because they were proclaiming another king I used to live in Olympia Washington and for a little while and there was a guy named his name was Manuel and he was actually from Cuba and he was an older gentleman him and I used to it's the first time I ever learned how to drink a espresso he had a little espresso pot he'd pour it and we'd go to pray together and when I drink his espresso we'd pray and I'd see visions believe me <laughs> and so what happened is is he was telling me about his persecution and he's talking because he was a colonel in, in Castro's army and he fought with him until he found out he was a communist and he said I don't fight with communists he goes hate communists but he had given his life to Jesus when he came to America and he began to show me on his body. He said, yes, they tortured me. And he began to he'd show his shirt and he showed cigarette burns all over his, his arms. And they tried to get me to be communist. I said, no, me no come. I, mean, I hate communists. And he said before he was a Christian, he remembered this, that everyone that was going to the firing squad, he said there were some people there that just were different. And he said, every time they would go, and they were about, they would tie them up to posts, and they were about to pull the trigger on them. They would go, "Viva Jesus!" No, it's victory in Jesus. And he said they weren't afraid. They loved God. And he said something about them. You know, how do you say that in French? Victory in Jesus. Anybody? Okay, victory Jesus. Amen. No, la victory. Anyway, I don't know. What happened is, here's these guys that were willing to lay down their life and cry out, Jesus, even before they died. Because that's where they pledged their allegiance to Jesus. Are you with me? Yes. And, he, and see, I believe it's his kingship. You think about it, the first century. The first century, six million Christians were killed because they claimed Jesus is the Lord. The reason the Christians would put their children in the, when, when what happened is the Romans would, would come and they would put them in the lion, they would bring lions, they would bring coliseums and places and they would have competition with the gladiators and stuff. But they would, as a the spectacle, they would throw out the Christians first for entertainment and let the lions eat the Christians. Where well, the Christians had to realize this. They said, you know what? They allowed their children to be taken by the lions first. And you go, why would they do that, Pastor Baba? Because they were hungry. And they knew they would kill the children instantly. Whereas while they were full with their children, after eating their children, they knew they would just play with them and they would be tortured. You imagine? That's what these guys were like. They loved God. They were willing to lay down their life. Do you know that there are people in Iraq? There are people in parts of the Middle East right now that are Christians that are being crucified, being hung, being persecuted. Do you realize that? These are people. I mean, I don't have anybody knocking on my door. How, do you? The only people knock on my door is the kids across the street can live and Luke play. I heard you got a Bible in there. I can go and I can read my Bible freely. We can turn on worship music and worship God. We can, you know, are you hearing me? Yeah. You can, you can study. You can, you can just have a good time. I just feel the presence of the Lord. There's a big difference feeling the presence. Of, and I'm, I'm sure you do. And I'm not here to down that. But can you imagine the power of the presence of the Lord in the face of persecution? You see, I believe this. God doesn't need an army to win his battles. He just needs an ambassador. And God has called us to be ambassadors. That means we represent. What do you represent? You see, I believe that God has a word for you this, this morning. That you understand God's love for you, God's care for you, God's concern for you, and God's vision for your life. How many of you know God's got a vision for your life? Yes, you see, yes, He uses ambassadors not with weapons, but with truth and love. He brings men peace and love, turning things upside down. That's what He does. You see, I believe he conquers through the cross. He, he died for you and me when we were sinners. Jesus even died for his enemies. Every moment in history started with people thinking outside themselves. And I think about it. You know, my parents' generation was the 60s. I mean, that's when all the hippies were. I remember my grandfather driving down Lake Charles on Nelson Road when there was nothing on Nelson Road. Seriously. Seriously. And he goes, my God, you can't tell them girls from them boys. Them boys, hippie boys, wearing that long old hair and them big old, little men old jeans. My God, them bell bottoms. Big old windstorm coming, they're gone. <laughs> boys are turning into shishies. That's you, I can remember my grandfather saying that. You know, and people were the most important thing in the world, to the, the hippies. They, had, they were nonconformers, anti-establishment, and we're seeing some of the fruits of that. But see, I believe this. They genuinely believed that they could change the world. They shared everything. They shared bongs. They shared dope. They shared boyfriends, girlfriends. They did. They shared the disease, whatever. They shared everything. They didn't hold back. I had one of the guys in the um, Ricky Manuel. He told me he went to Woodstock. I mean, everybody hears about you know Woodstock. I mean, he said, man, I was tripping on LSD at Woodstock. I mean, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But you're friendly. See, they had a vision to bring change. We all need, and, and they all wanted peace and love. How many of them you know I'm talking about? You remember that? You seen the videos? That was my parents. The millennial movement, which is now my children, skinny jeans, <laughs> flannel shirts. They know everything. And if they don't, they pull up their iPod. Or their phone. They know it all. It's at their fingertips. The, 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 materialism. They're not satisfied with what they have currently, so they jack up their credit cards. Come on. Yeah. Don't say amen yet. Yeah. There's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that display the best parts of their life, but not their real life. Yeah. Come on. Look. We get, uh, it's all the good moments. Come on. Show me the moment when you're mad at each other and you're fussing on each other. Show me when your children are manifesting themselves at the candy line at Walmart. We're having a good time at Walmart. My child just manifests. I cast the devil out of him. When I get home, I'm going to beat the rest of the devil that's out of him. That inner devil, that, I mean, that candy devil has a demon on it. And see, what happens is, because it's all fake. It's a plastic culture. There's always an uprising. Because you know what people really want? They want authenticity. They want what's real. Amen? Amen? That's what we want. We all want, we want the real thing. That's the old Coke commercial. You see what happens? I'll say, I'll say this. The world has a vision for your life and culture has a vision for your life. Are you living out God's vision for your life? Well, Pastor Bubba, I don't know what God's vision is this morning. Well, good. I'm going to give you a few answers how to find God's vision and walk in his vision. Is that all right? So buckle your seatbelt. We're going to go through the travel channel. I will share a few stories. But they're true and they are authentic. And, and I believe this. If you do what God tells you to do, you will be dangerous for good. Come on, Is that all right? All right. See, I believe this. Most McDonald's and most Walmarts have more vision for a community than churches do. And that people do. See, how do you get to have a God-sized vision to change Your world or our world, Pastor. But I love coming here because y'all always ask great questions. First thing you got to know is this: God calls you. God calls you. God's looking for someone who will seek Him. Amen? Amen. See Romans says that no one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. Well, I've been I've been trying to erase that no, in my Bible for a long time. Where I can put there's one God. Let me be one of them that seek you. You see, you see, but the Bible says, you know, it, it talks about that, but the, for a long time, there, there must be one. And, and Psalms 53 says it like this. It goes, God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. That's all of us. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. How many of you say, Phew. how many, in your younger days, let's be honest, how many of you had stupid written on your forehead? Okay, thank you. I feel better about myself already. If if anyone seeks God, but no, all have turned away. Let's just, make, let's just make a point here this morning. How many of you have just blown it in your life? Just blown it. Messed up. Come on. And how many of you lying right now? You don't want to raise your hand because how many of you just recently blown it? Don't, don't put your hand down. Don't put your hand uh, We're going to really pray for you, but no. And he says, because even the Bible in Corinthians, you can go in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 6 through uh, 9, 6, 9, no, yeah, 9, 6, or 11. And it talks about, it talks about we were all swindlers, thieves, adulterers, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on, such were some of you. Come on. I'm, I look at that scripture and such was one of me. Right here. I was that. And so we start pointing fingers that we're better than other people. You can't compare yourself by others. And so what happens is, the truth is, when God wants to use a person, or a man or a woman, he calls it's our job to answer the call. How many of you know when some people, let's just see How many you know when you have, the beauty about cell phones is when people call, if you have a caller ID, you know who they are. And some people, you go look at it and you go, that's a long phone call. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have options because when I was a kid, you just answered the phone and you had to lie from my mom. Oh, yeah. She goes, hey, Mama, Ain't Toot wants you. Oh, God, Ain't Toot, that crazy woman. I don't want to talk to Ain't Toot. Tell Ain't Toot I'm out in the garden. But, Mama, you're right in the kitchen. Shut up, boy. Don't tell her the truth. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of options today. But you know what I think about? You may have got a bad report. You might have got a phone call and they gave you a bad report. Hey, you got cancer, you've got diabetes, you got this, or your child was this, or you get, you know. And and, and all of a sudden they start telling you facts. How many know facts can be true? But I know this there's a difference between facts and truth. What do you mean? Truth outweighs facts. The fact is, I had cancer in my body. The fact I was lost. And my grandmother, my grandmother, she goes, That's fact. He's messed up. He got kicked out of school. He got caught with drugs. He's in trouble. Everybody going, We don't want our kids playing with him. We don't want, Oh my God, him. You know, I mean, all that. But my grandmother, she goes, That might be the truth, but the fact is, I'm, the fact, the facts may be true, but the truth is, I'm praying for that boy. And God's going to get a hold of him. And when God gets a hold of him, I'm praying God that he doesn't just be a Christian. You make him a preacher. And can I tell you something? I have a praying grandmother, and I blame her for what I'm doing this morning. <laughs> Pastor Josh has the same kind of grandmother. Pete prayed for Josh. I, I mean, when, at his birthday party, we, went and sang, we were saying, she goes, we had to tell her, tell her by his full name. She goes, All right, we're going to pray for Josh. And she goes, No, no, no. And I go, Okay, that's right. Joshua David Belt. <laughs> Why? Because you know what? She prayed that name. My grandmother prayed my real name, Howard Ray McCann Jr. Oh God, save him, touch him. And guess what? Even when it's cancer, oh God. And can I say something? Thank y'all for praying. And don't stop because I'm still living in your prayers and God still works miracles even though it's a fact. There's the truth. Amen? I remember when Mr. Sonier, we were coming here and we, I said, man, we need more land. And I went to him one day and I said, Mr. Sonier, would you be willing to sell the property right over here? And he had like two and a half acre strip. And he goes, no, I'm not going to tell you everything. And he just spit, no. That no didn't stop me from praying. And count kind of, long story short, we don't just own the two and a half acres. We own his house. And four more acres added to that. Take that, double. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? When Zach got up this morning and I said, son, let me tell you, you got some damage to the devil. The devil's trying to take you out. I said, God's fixing to give you, your car's total, but God's fixing to bless you with an upgrade. God, I said, you need to get up there, pull up your drawers. And get up there and salute the devil and tell him what you think about him. What are you talking about, Pastor Bob? You figure it out. Because the reality is, 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 this? most of us that are in this room are just an answer, a product of a lot of tears and a lot of prayers. People calling out to God for you and me. Amen? Amen. You know, because we sow, we sow where pe- other people have weeped. I believe this. You see, the truth is, how how do you know if you're called? Simple. If the vision or the situation that you're in is bigger than than what you can accomplish on your own, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. You see, when when you understand that God called you into the storm, you can be confident that he's going to get you through the storm on the other side he's the same God that called you into the storm, but he's the same God to get you out of the storm. What do you mean? I mean, I've seen so many. I remember last year's, uh, Luke and my friend, uh, Phil McDaniel. Hi Phil. How you doing, Phil? I know you listen to the podcast, Phil. He's in Texas. We were in a storm and we were hunting one morning and we had brought me and Luke. I made sure that Luke had his rain jacket. I had my rain jacket because if I brought him hunting and he didn't have his rain jacket, I was in trouble by his mama. But anyway, and what happened, it stormed, and Phil didn't have a jacket, so we had a decoy bag, and we put it over him, and we hadn't gotten anything that morning, and we're just like, man, and I, we were trying to educate Luke, and he goes, you know what, if we can just ride the storm on the other side of the storm, then birds are going to be coming. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like gully washer storm, you know. <laughs> you know, lightning, you got a gun, lightning rod, you know, all that. <laughs> you know, I mean I mean it's water's dripping out of your, your gun, your barrels, your cylinder, everything It's just like bad. And man, after the storm, the birds started coming. And it's just like this. If you can weather the storm you walk through, there's always your harvest on the other side. Amen. Amen. Yes. See, some of you in a storm, say when you say storm. storm, but God's called you. Are you listening? He can get, if he gets you, if you're in the storm, he can get you out of the storm. But you got, see, your marriage could be all jacked up. And you're in the middle of the storm. I heard of one lady, her husband never told her that she loved, he loved her. But he did everything he could to show his love. He just never was taught, hey, I love you. And they got an argument and they left. And he said, well, I'm just going to go live my own life. Do my own thing. And when he did, he said, he, about, he said about six months into it, he goes, I didn't like my own thing. I hated what, what I did. I, and my marriage is unrepairable at that moment because what I did. See, I believe this. God can redeem whatever storm you've walked through. Whatever it is. Whatever people say. You see, John says it like this. This is my life scripture. This is my grandmother used to call me and quote this scripture to me at three o'clock before they had caller ID, before they had cell phones, because if it would have been her, I wouldn't have picked it up. <laughs> he said, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command love each other. You remember this? God's chosen you. Look at your neighbor. and said, "God's chosen you." Look at him, point at him. God's chosen you. Come on, look at the other neighbor you were kind of questioning about. Look at me, you too. Listen, you don't have to feel qualified because that's the. This leads me to the second point. You want to pass him up? I may be called, but I just don't feel like I got the goods. Well, I'm glad. Because the second point, God qualifies you. God, qualifies. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Can I say that again? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Don't, you, don't measure yourself. by. You look at Moses. Remember, God showed up. God called him at the burning bush. He said, listen, you're gonna be a deli- I'm going to use you. You're going to deliver my people out of Egypt. He sees him in a burning bush. He goes, who me, God? Do you know my record? You know my rap sheet. Do you know where I've been? God, you can't use. It. I can't even talk, but I uh, can't talk. God's like, you know what? I'm going to use you, Moses. And we know the story of Moses. How about the story of of Jesus? You imagine Jesus? <laughs> he goes. You imagine if it was this, this part of the country? We're gonna get Boudreaux from Thibodeau. We're gonna get Como from Homa. We're gonna get. Come on, you start naming the Dulac. I mean, where's Miss Margie? She's not in here. I can pay about. I mean, you can. You know, Johnson and all these guys from all these places just look kind of rough. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God and people go, and that was his disciples. They were fishermen. There were people that were, they had tax collectors, IRS agents. You know, if God can change an IRS agent, that's God. Anyway. <laughs> so, what happens is, God uses them. God calls, Jesus is the son, but he calls these guys that the world looks, like, looks at them and goes, No way. No way. How can God use that? I used to like that with my, I used to have a, Italian friend I used to work with and he used to be in the mafia and he used to throw people down elevator shafts before when he was in the mafia his name was Papa Salerno when I was in my 20s he was like 80 he was old school mafia you know and he goes and he got he came to know Jesus I mean you go pump gas at a gas station he'd he kind of go hey you he goes "Uh, hey man you know my Jesus you and I go, and, and if you didn't know, I mean, if you didn't know Jesus, he was going to pray for you, lay hands on you, cast the devil of you right there. And I remember he always used to say this. He said, when well, people were doubting if God could use him, he said, man, oh, if God can use an Asa in the Bible, he can use anybody him. You know, I don't know if you know story, Balaam, the story, of Balaam, a donkey talked to a guy. Anyway, never mind. That's another message. <laughs> Let's go on. How about Paul on the road to Damascus? He heard a voice, but he never saw a face. Paul going down, he was, he was a religious guy. The religious, the relig- had the papers to, to be able to kill Christians. He had the authority. He had just come back from watching young Stephen. Getting martyred, killed by these religious people. They had the orders. They stoned him. They didn't get a bong and pass it around. They stoned him with stones. And what happens is, as he's there, uh, Stephen sees Jesus and he begins to proclaim it. And all the people start getting mad, tearing the robe and throwing more stones and he dies. And here he is. The Bible says as he's breathing threats to the church in Acts chapter 9, all of a sudden God shows up and knocks Paul off his donkey. And he goes, Paul, Paul. And he goes, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. And we know that God turned Paul around. And what he, he began to do is he became another man. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go on. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that, that few of you were wise in, your, in the, eyes of, uh, on the eyes of the powerful and the wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise Boy, doesn't that make you feel good about yourself i'm a fool for god who's fool are you and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful let me ask something do you want to be qualified you want to be qualified to be used by god Look what it says, Matthew. Let me just read Matthew 16. It says this, then Jesus, this how you know if you qualify. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way or deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That means follow me remains the invitation and what you lose can't possibly compare to what you'll find. So to deny yourself, we have nothing to give God but ourselves. Ne- I mean, I'll just say this. We need forgiveness sometimes. But not only forgiveness, we need to give forgiveness. Everybody in this house needs to start a ministry, and it needs to be called releasing others. What does that mean? You learn to forgive others. How many of you know that we've all have jacked up lies, We've all been wounded. We've all been hurt. We've been spoken ill of. We've been spoken behind our back. I mean, there are things that have happened to us. Come on, am I in the right place? Because so what happens is instead of us getting out and going, well, you know, God can forgive you, but God wants to go beyond that. He wants to forgive you, but he wants to heal you as well. It's a process. And see what happens is that is if you don't, if you don't become what you, if you don't do that and you hold on to things, you become what you hold on to. Some of us just gotta let go of things. Some of us have to let go. See, this is how sins are passed down from one generation. You ever heard that thing called generational curses? You know how it's passed down? from one generation to the next generation, when people don't forgive the sins of their mothers and their fathers, or the people that raised them, or people that took advantage of them, or they saw things, they just repeat the same mistakes. That's where you have to learn to go, forgive me, I'm sorry, I let it go. It's called the ministry of release, releasing people. Because if you can't release them, and you hold on to it, it will drive you places that you don't want to go and cause you to hang around people that you saw growing up that you really didn't like. Am I making sense? Yes. Here's another thing. You know, there there's two brothers around here that actually, uh, they became very wealthy. And they were two farmers. And what they did is when, in order to accumulate their wealth, they, they shared different implements and tractors and harvest, uh, you know, combines at different times in this area. And what happened is they became very wealthy and they loved each other and they helped each other. And, 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 and whenever one had a problem, the other one had a piece of equipment, they didn't even ask for permission. they just go to the barn and do it. And what happened one day, the younger brother heard about, and they were blessed. They were just wealthy and it was just a testament to the whole community, man. These brothers love each other. And all of a sudden, something happened that the younger brother heard that someone said that the brother might have said, and he got mad. And so what he did is, he went and he cut off where the bayou was to where it flowed to his brother's land to irrigate or to water the crops just by something that someone said, but he didn't investigate to find out the facts, and his brother got mad that his brother, his his brother cut the water off to his field, so he thought his brother was a low-down, good for nothing scoundrel. And so after all these years of being blessed and helping, them, they cut off each other and they and they just didn't they didn't talk, they didn't say anything to each other, they wouldn't associate with you, even the kids. It was sad. And one day the older brother, who was sick and tired he was looking at the house of his younger brother because it was right across the creek. He said, Listen, man, he hired a carpenter and he said, Listen, this is what I want you to do. I'm going out of town. When I come back, I want you to build me a fence. Because I don't want to see my brother's house. I don't want to see his stuff. I don't want him to see my stuff. I don't want him to see in my house. Carpenter said, All right. So the brother comes back from out of town and as he's driving up, he sees the carpenter on his knees. He says, What the heck is, What is going on here? He drives up and the carpenter's on his hands and knees trying to finish some finishing touches on a bridge. And he goes, I told you to build a fence. What are you thinking building a bridge? And about that time, his brother, his little brother comes out and he goes, wow, I didn't know you were building a bridge to come see me. I'm so sorry for what I said. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I've missed you. Forgive me for what I did and what I said. Will you forgive me? The older brother said, yeah, man, forgive me. I've held on to things. I heard things that weren't true. And they weren't facts. And will you forgive me? And they embraced. Who do you think the carpenter was? Jesus. Look at me. I want to tell you something. When you love Jesus... You build bridges, you don't build fences. We're called bridge builders. We build bridges through relationships. We make things right where they were wrong. Even if we were 10% wrong, we take, let me tell you, you, let me tell you how mature you are. The most mature person in a conflict is the one that's willing to say, I'm sorry first. But well, you don't know what happened to me. Pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. I don't. But Jesus does. And he can pour his oil onto that wound and bring healing in it. Amen? Amen. You see, I believe this. You got to take up your cross. That's what that scripture says too. What does that mean? I heard someone say, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. In other words, what happens is when you, when you went to the cross in that day, you didn't come back. When you had a cross on your back, you weren't coming back. In fact, if you would kill someone in that day and they found the body of the person that you murdered, they'd strap that person's body around your body and you would carry that body until death got into your body and killed you. See, death means this, is that what happens is that the cross wars against every compromise. See, when whatever darkness you subscribe to, you need to unsubscribe. Are you hearing me? That's a little millennial talk. Whatever you're subscribing, you can unsubscribe. Are you hearing me? Yes. There's some things that you're doing, you're watching, you're seeing, you're entertaining, you're listening to. Whatever it is, I'm not here to go this, 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 and this. That's it. People go well. That's sin. That ain't sin. Listen, you know where you're at, and there's some things you might need to unsubscribe to. There may be some unforgiveness. There may be some th- harsh feelings. There may be some things that need to be mended. You will, listen. If you want to put a lid on your life, just stay where you're at, and you'll never grow. That's right. I remember meeting a man. He was, I, he was a midget, and God healed him, and he grew. But his voice never grew to the size. He was six foot two, and he had a midget voice. Hello, my name's Bill. God, take me. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. It's another story, another message. Now you're qualified to follow. See, there's no reservations. There's no regrets. Because you know what? There's no retreat. You're following. Eagles, when they build nests, what they do is both parents take care of the chicks that are born in that nest. And when it's time for them to get out of the nest, they start peeling feathers away. And the nest starts to becoming uncomfortable. It's kind of like us. It's like when it's time for our kids to get out of the house. Come on, I'm talking to some people around here. <laughs> There's some things you go, know, it's, called, it's called responsibility. Said, well, you're paying your phone now. You're paying your car. Well, I can't do that. But I can't get an apartment if I do that. You should have been thinking about that long ago. Give you 90 days. I've done that with some of them. No, I'm not kidding you. Mama slip them something. <laughs> it's comfortable. And see, God will do that with us. It's time to grow up. It's time to get beyond that. And God, he's like the eagles who kind of, kind of say, come on, come on, come with me. Come to the edge. Come on, you can do it. I don't want to do it. No. Come to the edge. I'm too afraid to jump. No, no. Come to the edge. I don't want to. Come to the edge. And they come to the edge. And you know what the eagles do? They come to the edge. And mama will do this. (laughs) Pushes them out the nest. But you know, aren't you glad... That God does that to us too, but He also gives us wings to fly. Amen. Right, amen. He gives us wings to fly. It's an adventure. You see, He pushes and He gives wings. The last thing is this He calls us, He qualifies us, and the last is this God invites you on a quest, and it's an adventure. The greatest adventure you can do and have is knowing God. What does that look like, Bob? You know, Proverbs says that fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The greatest thing you can do is fear the Lord. What does that mean? That you give reverence to God. That you honor God. Honor is not for God. It's for you. So you recognize who God really is sometimes. Sometimes. Because so you don't drive around the neighborhood and go, baby, we're going to buy that house. Look at that beautiful foundation that things got. No one does that. But it's the very thing that holds everything up. Are you hearing me? The foundation of your walk with God is to honor God. Are you hearing me? Yeah. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you honor Him. And if you can't do that, you can't love your brother as you love yourself. You see, what is the what if the gospel... It's a call to adventure rather than simply escaping from danger. What if God is not just trying to get you into heaven when you die, but he's trying to get heaven into you before you die? A man or woman that has God has everything. They just do. There's no life more exciting than the one that relies on God to show up and intervene. Just show up. There's been so many times that God told me to go do something, and I'm like, my well, God. And I've literally seen him intervene. I've seen in this property, in this building, in, pro- in lands, dealing with People. Are you hearing me? It's seeing God. I talked to a girl this week. She says, Pastor Bubba, you prayed for me the other day. and you were, that The very situation we were praying for from my ex-husband and my children. And God, it was God. It just worked out. I don't know how, but God worked it out. I talked to a guy the other day. He said, you know, Pastor, when I go to y'all's churches, I just, it's like the Bible comes alive for me. It's like, it's like I'm watching it. It just becomes alive. There's no more greater thing than God just shows up in someone's life. Look at me. You know what God wants to show up? Because he loves you. If you never had a mama tell you she loved you. If you never had a dad tell you he loved you and hugged you. He's the father you always dream of having. That's Father God. One of my favorite movies of all time, I'm gonna come to a close here in a second. Here is Braveheart. I just, I love the movie Braveheart. You know, I like when you know, like he's coming at the end, they're fighting all those wars, paint your face blue. I mean, when I finish watching Braveheart, I want to go out in the backyard and go, Ah!" I mean, just "Ah!" something in me. Come on, men know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Damon. There's a scene in the movie at the beginning that really sets up the whole movie that many people forget about. It's young William. He's at his dad and his brother's funeral. Longshanks has killed his dad and his brother. The wicked king of England. And he's standing by his daddy's gravesite at about 10 years old. And the next scene, you see this guy riding in on a white horse. William doesn't know who this guy is, but the guy knows who William is. And he goes, do you know who I am? I'm your uncle. I know who you are. I love that scene. Then the next scene, you see him in there. They're eating bread with each other. And he said, did they do your dad's service well, son? Did they do it in Latin? Do you know Latin? No. He goes, you will. You're going to come with me. No, I'm not. You didn't want your daddy to die, did you? No. You don't want to go with me, but you're coming. And the next scene, William's holding his... His daddy's claymore, which is a big sword. This is my sword, okay? Close thing I could do. It's my, uh, my shotgun shell picker or stick. Anyway, my pickup stick. And he's looking at it. And his uncle looks at him. He says, William, come here, Judah. Come here. Come on, come up here with Passover. You're going to preach with me. He goes, hold that. Okay, he said, before you use that, I'm going to teach you how to use this. Then when you learn to use this, I will teach you to learn to use this. Amen? Yeah. All right. You'll go. Come on, squirrel man. Now, look at me. What are you saying, Pastor Bob? Because you know what I'm going to tell you? Let me tell you something. God wants to get it from our head to get it into our heart. Because, I mean, when I first got saved, if you would have given me a sword... some of y'all. Y'all going to go save your whole family. You know what I mean? You need Jesus. The hell with you. Well, that's where you're going. (laughs) You know what I mean? God's got to get it here before you start using the word of God because it's a true warrior. It's not someone that goes kill people. It's someone who protects people and saves them from disaster and evil and everything that comes around them. And for us, God's trying to get things in our heart so we know how to use things. You see, God's trying to call us. Are we listening? God's qualifying us. That's what trials are for sometimes. That's what the storms are. Getting all the me off of me. Or getting all the she off of she. Whatever. just getting that because are y'all with me yes. there's no life more exciting the one that leans on god to supply all that you need no matter how old you are how young you are doesn't matter your experience or your inexperience there's one who wants to intervene in your life his name is jesus And he will act like a king. And he will come with no permission. And he will come and get in your life if you allow him to come. And he will begin to tell you and show you and love you how to be the person you want to be. He will begin to give you a vision for yourself. He'll begin to give you a vision for your family. You'll begin to pray not just for yourself. When you start growing up you don't just pray for yourself, you start learning to pray for other people. For God to touch people's lives. There's one who wants a significant role in your life. He wants to teach you. That's God. He wants to love you. He wants to initiate things in your life. He wants to turn you loose in the world to make you dangerous for good. Are you hearing me? Look at me. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to be done. God loves you. Maybe you never heard someone say that. I want to tell you that if I could stand up here to say, say something this morning, women, if your daddy didn't hug you, he didn't love you, people took advantage of you, forgive them and know this one thing God loves you he's the father he's the father that you've always desired guys men the sad thing is most time when men come to church they think they're going to get beat up by the pastor well we're gonna tell the men what they need to do let me tell you, you know how to be a real man a real man Allows God to speak to him. A real man becomes a warrior. He knows that he's a beloved son. He knows that God is with him. And he's for him. See, we're looking for all the things what God's against. When I'm here to tell you God's for you more than all the things that he's against you on. And sometimes we just need our eyes to be open. And you know what my prayer is this morning? That Jesus would give you, God would give you Jesus contact lenses. And all of a sudden, all the blindness would begin to fall off your eyes. And you begin to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. Then he would change your heartbeat to his heartbeat. He'd He'd put a new Jesus pacemaker inside of you. You see, I believe this. I want to pray. I want to pray that you to hear God's call for your life. I want to pray that you would see his dreams clearly for your life. I want to pray that God will release you into his adventure.